Welcome to the Doc Lounge Podcast, Crazy Cases Series. In this series, we will explore some of the most unusual and interesting cases medicine has ever seen. We will speak with providers of all specialties from all over the nation. We will hear firsthand accounts from symptoms to treatments to cures. So sit back, relax, and let's explore some crazy cases. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode of Crazy Cases. Your host today is going to be our COO of Pacific Companies, Mr. John Polk. And John had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Mark Dowell. He's an infectious disease physician out of beautiful Wyoming. Dr. Dowell has been on our podcast before, and we're happy to have him back. But today he's going to talk about a very unusual case. Without further ado, let's jump right into the episode Thank you, John, for hosting, and thank you, Dr. Dowell, for being on the podcast today. I think you guys are really going to like it, so let's get started. Uh, good morning, Mark. Good to see you again. Hope things are well, and uh, you're, I know you're busy. I, I can only imagine, but it's great to have an opportunity to talk to you again, and I understand this time we are going to be talking about, um, in our vernacular for the podcast, a crazy case that you're currently working with. I'm sure our listeners are going to be fascinated to find out about what sort of medical mystery you're dealing with. So with that said, feel free to take it away. Thanks, John. I appreciate you having me. I uh, I just shake my head all the time going, how did this walk into my office? Or how am I seeing this in the hospital in the middle of nowhere? And <clears throat> I've been saying that for the nearly 30 years I've been in Wyoming because it's the Wild West and you just never know what's going to come in. So let me tell you about this insane case I, I got that is somewhat nationally known in a way. So this guy is 70 years old and he's from the, uh, let's see, is he Philippines or Indonesian? I think he's Filipino. And he's, and he's, he's a Wyoming resident? He is. He's lived here for 25 or 30 years and he works at a local power plant. He's driving heavy equipment. And so he develops this redness on the side of his face. And he gets diagnosed with facial cellulitis, you know, probably a strep or a staph on his face. And some primary care provider gives him Keflex, which is common, and it gets worse. And the guy's not super sick, not having shaking chills and fever and has really no reason to have this. And so then they do what they often do and change the antibiotic. And they think they gave him clindamycin, didn't work either. And so this guy's walking around working full time and he's got this huge half of his face almost is red, swollen, hot, and what strikes me when he sent to me is that he's not particularly ill. But we said, the first thing we're going to do is put you on some intravenous antibiotics. And we can do that through the office. Our infectious practice is able to do that. And give him a week or 10 days and see what this does. And if it doesn't get better, we'll rethink this. So I did that. And I signed back in seven or eight days expecting him to be fantastically well wrong i didn't see any change so then i thought to myself is this not an infection at all 
because maybe this guy has something unrelated to an infection. So then I asked him, when you're driving your heavy equipment, what direction are you usually facing? And what side are you sitting in your cab when you're driving this? Oh and my so goodness. It turns I can't out, imagine why you would ask him that, but well, we're getting it, there. Are you hanging your arm out the side? But Well, it, we ask those sometimes, but this is part of being an infectious disease guy. You ask the weirdest questions, but you got to problem solve. So it turns out that the guy is sitting on the left side of his cab and goes southwest and northeast all the time. And the, and the sun is hitting the side of his head all the time through a window. So I said, I wonder, since this is the summer, whether this is a photosensitivity reaction to the sun, which we see. And then I said, is your window open? And he goes, yeah. I said, okay, I got it. I'm gonna put you on about a week of steroids to try to knock down this reaction, if that's what this is. And if this doesn't respond, very well or comes back, we're going to put you, we're going to put you in a different realm and I'm going to do different things. I put him on that and he doesn't get a lot better. It gets a little bit better. I see him back a few days after that off the steroids and everything is back to where it was. And I said, okay, I'm going to rethink this. So then <laughs> I do another physical on the guy. And I notice that there are two areas on his right leg that are have a little bit of dark discoloration, scabbed over, non-tender. One's down at the base of one of his toes, I think the third toe. And the other one, the other two are up on the leg and the front of the leg along the tibia. And I said, you know, I don't know what this guy's got. Maybe he's got a blood vessel condition called vasculitis, which is an immune disease. I said, I don't know what this is, but if all else fails, get tissue. There's this old term, tissue is the issue. Okay. So I have the ability in our, in our office to do skin biopsies. So I say, okay, I'm going to biopsy this guy's skin and I'm going to send it off and I'm going to see what it is. So I biopsy his skin in a couple of places and I asked the pathologist to go ahead and do special stains for unusual organisms such as fungi or cousins of tuberculosis, some weird stuff that infection guys would look for. And I get a call from the pathologist that says, your biopsy is full of these things called acid fast bacilli. And I went, whoa, now what are you saying is acid fast bacilli? There are a lot of diseases that are in that family caused by this group of organisms, the number one being tuberculosis. Okay. Right. So I said, a guy from Southeast Asia, weird facial thing, what's going on in his leg? And then I go back and ask him for exposures. Do you go to the lake all the time? Do you have a fish aquarium? All this weird stuff that ID guys ask. No, 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 no. And I said, well, what am I going to do with this? And I said, this isn't adding up. And how does this relate to his face? Or are they related? And I said, 
I've got to go further with this because maybe what's on his legs or leg is related to what's on his face. And I can't put the story together. And he also tells me that he's numb on his third toe where that thing is on his foot. I said, were you numb everywhere else like a diabetic would have neuropathy? No, just there. And he's a very legit guy. I mean, he's very young for his stated age. So I'm not going to go biopsy somebody's face because I'm an infectious disease guy and I'll butcher it and they'll have a scar, you know, the size of New York. So I sent him to a dermatologist and I said, I need you to biopsy his face. And the guy was okay with that. I think when we're 70 years old and you got wrinkles anyway, it's like, who cares? But I didn't want to damage his head. So I sent him to the dermatologist and said, I don't know what I have exactly, but would you send it for those special stains just like the other biopsies? And he calls me and he says, you have these thing called acid fast bacilli, AFB, family of tuberculosis in his face. Now, who would have thought about that, right? I said, okay, let me step back for a second and connect the dots here. I've got this guy with all this stuff on his face and this half his face. Now it's actually all the way to the center of his forehead, going across down his face, around his eye, over his nose, and down to his lower cheek. So it's, it's, it's spread since you well, first... Well, it has spread, but only on one side. And it's like somebody painted it. It's raised. It's warm. It's got some edema there, you know, some swelling. And so I stepped back a second and I said, I've never seen anything like this. But then I said, okay, he's got two lesions on his leg. He's got a numb toe with a lesion there. And he's got this face. And I stepped back in a second and I said, wait a minute. And then I went and asked him the, the key questions. I said, did you grow up in a rural area? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, did you ever go to a leper colony? And he said, yes. Because part of being a good Catholic boy was to go to the leper colony and read to the children and bring them food and clothes. And I said, did you ever get around anybody who was sick? And he said, no, because a lot of people in a leper colony are not, you know, are chronically maybe debilitated, some of them, but not super ill. I said, did you ever hug the kids and kiss the kids? And I said, no. And that was back when he was, oh, 10 years old, you know, like 50, 60 years ago. But I said, ding, 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 ding. Leprosy affects peripheral nerves, nerves in the legs and hands and stuff. Leprosy can certainly do those lesions that he had on his leg. And Leprosy can cause this on the face. It's called leonine facies, which means the face of a lion. Wow. And then I stepped back from him and I said, oh, my gosh, I may be diagnosing 
leprosy in an office that walks in from the community. So then I took the, got, had the tissue sent down to the Hansen's disease. Leprosy is called Hansen's disease. The Hansen's disease center in Carville, Louisiana. It's through the NIH CDC. And they actually used to have a hospital in a living area where the, some people with leprosy would, would live. And I sent the tissue down there and said, can you do the genetic probes for this and tell me if this is leprosy? Because it's not a common test, right? And they did it. And the director of the entire facility, the national expert on it, called me in my office and said, there are two major strains of leprosy we're seeing in this part of the world. This one's imported from, I can't remember, Philippines or Indonesia. So your guy has leprosy. And I went, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> was, you'd have to be an infectious disease physician to call that anything remotely close I mean, to being cool other than just absolutely frightening or disgusting. I, I got to ask you real quick, if you don't mind me interrupting. When you're doing all of this, I presume you're somehow protected. I, I, I don't know how communicable, communicable. is Hansen's disease. Not, Leprosy. not for the most part. No one knows how it spreads. It's not highly communicable at all. And um, they've never been able to nail that down. You can have people with leprosy in a family. One other person might have it. The rest won't. No one knows that. So, no, I wasn't. I was just doing my thing. I knew it wasn't contagious once we got the diagnosis. And then I, I decided to give a lecture on leprosy. It was kind of fun. And she said to me that there are about 200 cases managed in private practice in the United States currently, and about 300 that she's managing herself that are separate from that. So that's how rare this is. And there's certainly some association with between leprosy and the nine-banded armadillo, which is seen in the South and Southwest. I've heard and that. There are people that, and I've seen it in Texas, love roadkill. And I'll see, I've driven through West Texas where there have been all these armadillos hit by cars sitting on the side of the road dead people get them take the shell off get the meat i don't know what they do with them but that is that is a certain percentage 30 percent or more may be associated with exposure to an infected armadillo i won't make value judgments but if you're hard enough up to go and take dead armadillos off the side of the road all more power to you i don't get it. So um, I tell this guy what he has. And um, this is extremely weird to treat. There are protocols internationally developed to treat leprosy that are as weird as anything I've ever seen. And uh, she gave me the protocol to use for this type of leprosy it involves, if you've ever heard a drug 
called uh, Cipro or Levaquin. You take one dose a month. And then you take steroids plus a drug called Dapsone, which you haven't heard of, but we use it for um, some infectious diseases. You take that for two weeks with steroids, and then you take a drug that's in the tetracycline family for a week, and you repeat this every month for one to two years. And so we put him in the protocol, because I'll be darned if I know what the protocols are for this, because they're, they're very specialized. And so she invites me down there to come meet her and talk about the case and everything, but I didn't have time, you know, I'm kind of a busy guy, so right, I couldn't right. take her up on that, but we sent her all our notes. And what happened was when we started treating this, the guy got really sick and we were at reactivating his immune system, starting to kill the organism, which is extremely slow growing. So his immune system was reacting and he got, really sick for a couple of weeks, almost had to put him in the hospital, shaking chills, fever, couldn't go to work. And then he got better. And over the months to about a year and a half or two years, that's all the edema in his face went away and the warmth went away and it stopped spreading, but it left him with a dark discoloration in his skin as an outline on that half of his face. And, you know, nothing you could do about that other than tell him if he wants to wear some kind of specialized makeup to cover it up. Otherwise, you know, look at it as his badge of glory. Um, but we cured him. Wow. And he kept working all through this. And uh, there was nothing to do. We didn't have to test his family, you know, or his wife or anything. There's no reason. They're all healthy. So this was leonine facies, the face of a lion, leprosy. And that's remarkable. Um, I know you and I have chatted over the years and you've shared with me and I've passed this along to um, other infectious disease physicians that you were considering to join your practice about all of the interesting things that are pretty rare, but this is probably one of the rarest things you've ever encountered in your tenure. Is that, is that accurate to say? Oh, to walk into an office here carrying the leprosy organism for the last uh, 50 to 60, probably 60 years. Yeah, this is, this is right up there. I've published a couple of other things over the years, but this is, this was crazy, but it demonstrates what an amazing practice we have here because, I mean, it's like we see a lot of stuff that we could publish on and we see a lot of rare things because it's in the middle of nowhere. And you've helped me recruit people for 20 years here. And most people that come to us stay because you can't beat the crazy stuff we see, you know. Um, you know, almost, well, every month I'm shaking my head going, I cannot believe I saw that. And my partners are going, there's a disease called Whipple's, Whipple's disease, not like 
Mr. Whipple, please don't squeeze the Charmin. For those of you okay. old enough to remember those stupid commercials where the guy had a toilet paper fetish. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> it's called, this is not a toilet paper fetish disease. It's a infectious disease that can do almost anything. Skin stuff, heart stuff, lymph nodes. One in a million people have Whipples. And we have two cases in our practice. Wow. And they're incredibly complicated and, um, you know, difficult to treat. That's the kind of rare stuff we see. <laughs> we just, we learn along with it. I mean, this is stuff you read about or you hear about and you call, ask your colleagues and say, no, we've never seen that before. There's a, there's a disease called tularemia, which is a is transmitted here by biting flies, deer flies, horse flies, mostly. And it can do a lot of different things. It's, it's, a, it's kind of in the family of Rocky Mountain spotted fever, different kind of bacteria, but that idea, a lot of times also born by exposure to certain animals. We've seen 17 cases in this practice since I started it. We had a case that we talked to the UCLA about their infectious disease group because the patient lived down there. And of the entire faculty at UCLA, they had had three cases that anyone had ever seen of that infection. And we have seen 17 here. When so. you crunch the numbers, that's just remarkable. I mean... We're yeah. talking about a state sparsely populated, less than half a million people thereabouts, right? On a, on a good day. Yeah. And the other thing that to me is quite remarkable is that you guys have a practice there that's 100% ID and there's four of you. Yeah. And a nurse practitioner. And yeah. we're in a town of 60,000. Now we have an outreach of 200,000 kind of scattered around the state but i i don't i know there's not another town of sixty thousand in this country that has four infectious disease guys in the same group and we are full in fact i'm supposed to be the hospital guy today and they're moving me over this afternoon to see some emergency fit-ins because we don't have any spots for them that's crazy right but we see patients from the time we're consulted or referred to all the way through till they're done. And if they're in the hospital and we get consulted and they need to go out and be seen, we'll see them, we'll manage them all the way, start to finish. And that certainly keeps our office busy. But yeah, it's crazy out here. I, um, I, I have people that come from other places, docs, and they say, the kind of stuff you guys see is like a university setting in the middle of nowhere. In fact, I've got a guy who's faculty at the University of Arizona who was doing a locums here, and he's, he's a surgeon, and he said, the pathology here is better than what I'm seeing in Phoenix. Now, I think that's an exaggeration a little bit personally, what he was saying, but the idea is when you're in a small place like this, you get to manage it from start to finish, right? You don't have 50 people beating you up, trying to change your orders and all this stuff. You can either do a great job or screw it up, but you can do it beginning to end. 
And that's what makes this practice so much fun for me. Um, I learn so much from doing it. I learn all the nuances. Why does the same bug present 50 different ways with the same diagnosis? Why does strep pneumonia, which is the pneumonia, one of the pneumonia bugs, why is it presenting all these different ways in the same aged person? Like, why did I have to send this two patients to the OR this week for it? Why? Yeah, well, my, my question along the same lines is, why is it, do you suppose, that where you are gets such a unique variety? Any, any sense of that? Well, you could say the same thing across the country. There's a lack of primary care. So people come in half dead. That's part of it. Um, people come in late because it's a mentality. It's this Western, I'm going to tough it out thing. And it's a wild and woolly environment. And so people are out on ranches, they're out in the middle of the woods, they're hiking, they're fishing, they're doing all this crazy stuff, which is a lot of fun, by the way. Right. Um, but they're getting exposed to all kinds of things. I mean, can't tell you how many times we see, well, I was up in the mountains and I cut my foot in the middle of this lake where I was fly fishing. And I didn't think too much about it until my foot completely turned red and then I got fever and then they come in. I see this all the time where they get tick bites and it's uh, it's one of the things about infectious diseases. You have to be Inspector Clouseau, you know, <laughs> and you have to ask a ton of weird questions to get answers. So it's 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 a fascinating field. And you notice I didn't mention COVID. Because I, this has nothing to do with COVID. This is our basic stuff that we see. So it's crazy. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. We're coming up on our uh, on your time. I know you're really, really busy, Mark. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for sharing with our listeners some Thanks. such a bizarre situation. I, I, I can only imagine that you probably entertained a few phone calls. Say, hey, tell me about that, right? Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, I presented at conferences. And so people just go, I can't believe what you're saying. Yeah. And I just say, don't ask me. It just walked in the door. <laughs> you know? I didn't put a sign out that said, all people with leprosy, please come here. I mean, I, it doesn't work that way. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a happy ending. Yes. Um, I'm sure that patient is probably very, very happy uh, that you were there. Well, it was challenging. I learned a lot. That's most important thing. But I imagine that's what keeps you going to a large extent. I've been doing this a long time. And as you can tell, I still find it fascinating. It energizes me. It challenges my brain. And so I'm going to keep going. I'm, I really like it. Well, Mark, uh, again, always good to talk to you uh, until the next episode. Um, I wish you a great weekend and, and thanks again for your time. We'll chat soon. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun to talk to you. 
Thank you to all our listeners. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And a big thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast could not be possible. If you would like to be a guest, go to www.pacificcompanies.com. Thank you.